0: And by the way, this is the last Communion Sunday of the year, year 220, 2020. Uh, please prepare to get the communion elements. I'm going to ask Minister Will if he wouldn't mind getting ours out um, as we're going to be uh, uh, celebrating communion at the end of our time together today. But in verse 31 we read, By faith the harlot Rahab did not perish, with those who did not believe when she had received the the spies in peace. Let me read that again. By faith, the harlot, the prostitute Rahab, did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies in peace. Let us go before the Lord in prayer. Father, in the matchless name of your son Jesus we bow in prayer and humble adoration to your presence. And God, we're just lifting up uh, this country. We're asking, oh God, that you would continue to move in such a way that we recognize that there is a true and living God. I pray, God, that you would continue to bring us to a place of repentance so that we can return and be reconciled with you. And oh God, now, for those who are battling a coronavirus and various other elements. You are Jehovah Jireh, are the Lord who provides you, Jehovah Rapha, the one who heals. God, we are asking that you would provide healing for each and every soul. And for those, oh God, who have lost loved ones, there are at least one person every 30 seconds in this country that is departing from time into eternity. God, we just pray for the families of loved ones have been taken from us because of the coronavirus. And God, we ask, oh God, for your sufficient grace to cover them. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, our time, most of our time is going to be spent in the book of Joshua chapter 10. Joshua chapter 10. And and, um, I want to begin by sharing um, an experience that occurred when I relocated from Philadelphia to Dallas, Texas uh, to attend seminary. An older seminary colleague sensed that I was a little homesick, so he invited me to go with him for riding his car. Since I didn't have transportation, I was more than happy to accept his offer. Now, although I was not familiar with the city of Dallas, my older seminary colleague assured me that he knew his way around Dallas, the city of Dallas. Now, I don't remember all the places that he showed me, uh, and I'm sure there were many, but there was one place he took me in his car that I will never forget. It left an indelible impression On my mind to this very day. He took me to a place on Cedar Avenue, which wasn't very far from the dorm that I lived in as a seminarian. What I saw rocked me to the core. Even though I didn't know the words to use for what I was seeing, I instinctively knew what it was that I had never seen before. Even though I had grown up for 21 years in the hood of North Philadelphia, I had never seen a prostitute in person. As my colleagues decided to slow down the car to get a closer look, women who were literally dressed in next to nothing started to tap on our window. Now, don't ask me why my seminary colleague knew where these prostitutes were and why he thought it was a good idea for us to visit that part of town. I can't answer that question. Later, after I told my brother, I said, look, keep driving. Speed up. I almost put my foot on the accelerator. We might have hit a couple if if he hadn't uh, picked up the pace with the car. Uh, I later, once I got back to the dorm, I tried to put some spiritual uh, context to that experience, and I said, those women really need Jesus. But deep in my heart, I disdained them. I felt... Embarrassed that someone might see me in their company. And I was angry with my older seminary colleague for taking me to such a godless place. As I reflect on that experience today, I realized that when the Lord Jesus found and saved me from my sins. I may not have been on a street corner selling my body for money, but I want you to understand that if you don't know Jesus like I didn't know Jesus, I was in a bad place. It doesn't matter if you live in the penthouse or the outhouse, if you don't have a personal relationship with Christ, You are in a bad place because the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And so our sin, David said, I was born in sin and shaped in iniquity. We were born separated from God. And so we may not ever sell our body for sexual profit, for monetary profit, But if you don't know Jesus, you are in a bad place. In our study today, we meet a woman that not only was a prostitute by profession, she actually owned and operated a brothel, a house of prostitution. What what we will discover today about this Canaanite woman, this black woman, named Rahab, is that by faith she went from the house of shame to God's hall of fame, to God's hall of fame of faith, the house of shame, and was elevated to God's spiritual hall of fame of faith. Again, listen with me at verse 31 in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, the prostitute, the harlot, the woman of the night, the woman who sold her body and the bodies of other women, because she welcomed the spies, not, was not killed with those who were disobedient, who, who, who did not believe God. Her name is listed among the elites of God's Hall of Fame in Hebrews chapter 11. with me at verse three, Her name follows such names as Abel and Enoch, follows the name of Noah and, and, and Moses and, and, and Joseph and Isaac and Jacob. Rahab's name was listed among God's hall of famers of faith. Now, the backstory that we're going to be drawing from, the historical context occurs in Judges chapter 2. And I invite you to travel back with me to that time in history of the nation of Israel. And we're not going to be able to go through the entire story of uh, Judges chapter 2. So I invite you to, in your time of spending uh, time in the Word, would you read the chapter and get a fuller? context. It's, it has to do with the conquest and, and Joshua obeying God to finally move into the land of promise that God had made way back in Genesis chapter 12 to, to Abraham. And so what we're going to witness is, are some principles of how Rahab's faith as a harlot from the house of shame was able to rise and be placed in God's hall of fame of faith, we're going to discover at least four things that can be true of us, because I don't believe that the hall of fame, that the inductees at that, that list is complete. I believe that if Rahab could make it, I could too, and so can you. Listen to some principles that I'm going to be sharing with you today that will help you Follow in the footsteps of a woman like Rahab. First of all, you need to let your mess be your message. Let your mess be your message. Secondly, we're gonna see that to that we need to remember the danger of flawed faith. It's dangerous to have incorrect, inaccurate, incomplete, damaged faith. Thirdly, we wanna see that we must grow in faith by hearing and applying the word of God, the two go together. We must grow in our faith by hearing and applying the word, and finally we will see that we must stop trying to figure out God. Faith doesn't try to figure God out. Stop trying to figure God's ways out. Rachel, or Rahab, allowed her mess to be her message. In Joshua chapter two, verse one, the scripture says, now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from, Acha- from the Achaia Grove, despite secretly saying, go, view the land, especially Jericho. So, he, so they went and came to the house of a harlot of a prostitute named Rahab and lodged there. And they lodged there. What I want you to uh, uh, learn uh, as we look at this woman, Rahab, is that from her very first introduction in Scripture, it is interesting that God identifies her not simply by her name, but by her occupation, by her her profession. And with the exception of one occurrence in the Scripture, we're going to see that every time Rahab is referred to, she's referred to as Rahab the prostitute, Rahab the harlot, Rahab the, you fill in the blank. But each time her occupation, her lifestyle is attached to the references that are made, Joshua's two spies went to the house of a woman, named Rahab. Now, can you imagine how you would feel if every time you had to take out your identification that what you were most noted for prior to coming into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, that particular sin appeared as a part of your identification. Harry the womanizer. Mary the Snitch, Billy the Pervert, or Kathy the Crackhead, or some other shameful title. Aren't you glad that God does not identify us as a part of who we are in Jesus by the specific characteristic that we formerly practice as a way of life? Now, there are many examples in, in the Old Testament and the New Testament that reference Rahab. In fact, in Joshua chapter 6, after the walls of Jericho have fallen down to the ground, in verse 17, Joshua said, Go to the house of Rahab the prostitute. Again, he says, Did you go to Rahab the prostitute's house? In verse 22. And then again in verse 25 of chapter 6 of Judges, he said, and by the way, make sure you protect Rahab, the prostitute, and her family. Notice in those passages, it doesn't reference her family by their sin, but God repeatedly attaches the sin of Rahab to her name. When you go to the New Testament, you find in James chapter 225, verse 25, James says that Rahab was justified by her works. And really what we understand is we work because we have faith, but he, he doesn't just say Rahab. He says Rahab the whore. Rahab, the, let, me, let me just be real. Rahab the prostitute was justified by her helping the spies escape. Again, in Hebrews chapter 30, verse 31, you would think by the time her name is, uh, is, is elevated to God's plaque of Hall of Famers of Faith, that her title, her designation as harlot would be removed. But no, in the, in the book of God's Hall of Famers, Rahab is called Rahab the Prostitute. It's interesting because it gets even deeper when you turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 5, we're told that Rahab, the prostitute, married a man named Solomon, And Solomon had a son named Boaz. Uh, he had a son with a woman named Ruth named Boaz. And Boaz and Ruth followed a son named Obed. Who's, who, and, and Obed fathered a, a, a child or a son named Jesse. And you remember the story, and Jesse had a son named David. <laughs> And David had a son named Jesus, which makes Rahab the prostitute, the great, 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 great grandmother of Jesus. How about God? How about God? How about God? And so Rahab, the prostitute, God's trying to make a statement. She was a member of the bloodline, the geneage of the Lord Jesus Christ. Her name never escaped her. God was trying to say something, that God wanted to allow her to be an example to us, that if he could save Rahab the prostitute, if she could become a member of the Hall of Fame of God, surely there's an opportunity for us. Now, why would God want to remember you and I as he did Rahab by what he delivered her from? I want you to know that God wants your mess to be your testimony. That, that becomes your witness to those who were lost. I like the way the Apostle Paul put it in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. He says, reminding and warning uh, of the Corinthians that such behaviors when you practice them can forfeit or keep you from entering to heaven. Here's what he says: He said, Do you not know that evildoers or the unrighteous wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither sexually immoral or idolaters, or adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor those who are greedy, nor drunkards or slanderers nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And here's where it gets good. He said, and such were some of you. That was what you were like. That was your mess. And then he adds, but you were washed and you were sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And so what God delivered you from becomes the testimony that he wants you to declare that others will see if he could save a wretch like you and a wretch like me, there's hope for them. There's still room at the cross for them. The problem is we're trying to hide what God wants to reveal. We're trying to cover what the blood had to cure. We're trying to act like we never were outside of Christ. But I want you to understand one of the most effective ways that we're going to reach our family. It won't be because we're sitting on some high, holy, and sanctimonious pedestal. But it's going to be because we can share, but for the grace of God, so go I. You may call me what I am now based on where I work, but one day I was lost in sin. I was like a sheep without a shepherd. I was like an open sepulcher. I was like those who Jesus said, "Inside the sepulchre was a, was, a, was, a, was, a, was was were vipers, and 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 we weren't seeking God. I wasn't seeking God. But in spite of where I was, God reached me. You may not have been in a whorehouse, but God found you wherever you were, and He snatched you out of darkness into the kingdom of light. Not so you could act like there wasn't a then and a there." but that you would allow all of the things that you've gone through, Every hurt, every disappointment, every lie that was told, every person you ever hurt, every promise you ever broke, every place you shouldn't have gone, every word you shouldn't have had, every hospitalization that you caused yourself to experience because of disobedience. That becomes the mess that God will use to be the message of your testimony to reach a world that needs to hear that the Lord saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. You need to let your message be your, let your mess be your message. Oh, I don't mind telling people that I had struggles. I don't mind telling them that my marriage not perfect. I don't mind being honest about the fact that I don't always do what is right because even though I'm saved, I still have to confess my sins. The good news, the Bible says, if we confess, why would he give us that remedy if we never fail? Oh, yes, we still do. He saved me from my mess, but I'm still a mess. But for the grace of God, let your mess be your message. That's what faith will allow you to do. That was the foundation that began to prepare that busk for Rahab the prostitute in God's hall of fame of faith. You need to remember this, a second thing, the danger of flawed faith. Listen to verses 4 through 6. The spies that were sent by... uh, uh, Joshua to spy out the land. It's really interesting when you study the history. Go back to Numbers chapter 12 through 14. Moses sends out 40 spies, and they're on the outskirts of the land. And this is 40 years past the time when Moses sent out the 12 spies. And you remember the story: 12 of them went out, and they stayed for 40 days and 40 nights, and they they investigated the land. They did reconnaissance on the land. And then they returned, and ten of the spies said, Everything God said is true. The grapes are so big, we can hardly carry bushels of them and, and the food and the hunt. All that God says is just is it, it, beyond words. And they said, but, but they're giants in the land. I want you to know that faith sees giants. Faithlessness sees sees the giants, but faith sees the God who slays giants. And so 10 of the spies gave a negative report, and because they gave a negative report, you notice this time, we're going to come back to that, that when Joshua sends, it was only two, Caleb and Joshua, who gave a a, a favorable report. God said it. That settles it. Let's go and get it. This time when Joshua, who is general and, and succeeds Moses, when he sends out spies, he doesn't send out 12. He sends out two. God doesn't need a majority to be victorious. He sends out two. And so I want you to see as we move into these verses, it says in verses 4 through 6, but the woman had taken the two and hidden them. She said, now, when the two spies hid in Rahab the prostitute's uh, 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 a building her, her establishment somehow the word got back to the king and so he sent the popo out he sent the police out and so they get to Rahab's house and they said where are the Israelites who come to spy out the land and here was, here's how she responds. she said yes the men came but I did not know where they had come from at dusk when it was time to close the city's gates they left she's lying I don't know which way they went. Lying. Go after them and quickly that you may catch up with them. Lying. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of flag. She had laid out on the roof. God, here's, what we, here's the flaw of faith. Rahab actually believed that God needed her help. God doesn't need you to lie to accomplish his will. God does not need you. That's flawed faith. Now, let me give you some examples of flawed faith, the danger of flawed faith. Remember this. Flawed faith is dangerous. Flawed faith can forfeit your future. This kind of damage and broken faith is often masked in a spirit of fear. And I'm going back to this spirit of fear. You you say to people, this is what God wants us to do. and, and, And they say, yeah, man, that's great. But As soon as you hear people talking about, yeah, God said it, and this is what it should, and then as soon as the, the, the spirit of fear is always going to have an objection, always have a reason to wait, always have a reason where we can try it another way. Don't do it today. We can do it tomorrow. You know, why pay today when you can pay tomorrow? That's a spirit of fear that is often couched in a multitude of counselors it, it, God blesses a multitude. No, not when God already told you to do something. You don't need a multitude of counselors. You need to get to step in. The question is, did God say it? And if God said, we need to be acting on it. Don't be giving into the spirit of fear. Flawed faith can cause you to forfeit your. Destiny your future God's plan his purpose for your life when the 10 spies gave the negative report because they walked by sight not by faith they were operating in fear it was they were right yes there were giants in the land yes they were trained soldiers yes they had a, a reputation of, of devouring their foe and they hadn't been to, all that was true but beyond what he they saw God had already said the land is yours go in and possess it but the people believe the majority report. That's why you can't run the church by consensus. God is a the church is a theocracy. And God gives the vision to the pastor, and he works through the leadership, the elders and the deacons, but God gives a singular vision. When you have multiple visions, you had God gave a vision to the, to, to the tribes of Israel, and, and, and ten of them said, well, we believe this, and, and the two said, no, we're going to believe God. But the people believed the ten. And so because they believed the ten, God said, Your unbelief. Had shut the gates of the promised land, and you will not enter in. What that meant is that every single person over the age of 21 perished in the wilderness. They died. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because they lacked, they had flawed faith. If they couldn't figure it out, if they couldn't uh, 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 see how it was going to turn out, the outcome, they chose not to trust God. Flawed faith will keep you from becoming all that God wants you. You'll never take another job. You'll never try the things that God has been impressing on your heart. There are people that God wants you to minister to, but you won't take a chance. They may not like me. There's some things you need to say, but you keep silent because you're afraid that people will, will, will reject what you say. And God is saying, "If you want to get into the promised land, if you want to go far, it's right in front of you. Everything that I have already predetermined for you is waiting for you. But don't allow fear. Fear will always knock at the door, but you need to respond when fear is knocking, you need to respond with faith and fear will flee. Watch out for flawed faith because it can. It can. Forfeit. Forfeit your future. Here's the second thing. false faith doesn't help God because it violates the word of God. The Bible says a double minded man is unstable in, his, in all of his ways. Don't you think if you lack faith that is based on the truth of God's word that you will get anything from God? For it is impossible to please God without faith. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them who diligently seek him. And faith is a substance of things. Oh, God, you have to have faith. Flawed faith violates the truth of God's word. Violate, it, it, is, it, it doesn't help God because it violates his word. Rahab thought she was helping God. She really believed it, but she didn't know any better. Sometimes our faith is flawed because of ignorance. God says, my people perish for the lack of knowledge. She was new in the faith. She didn't know better. Sometimes uh, 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 people thought, people think that they, uh, uh, not only does uh, she thought she was helping God, but Peter thought he was helping God when he cut a man's ear off. He cut, Jesus was being at, taken into custody, so he said, oh, let me lap this dude's ear off. He thought, oh, that's the way, to, no, 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 the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. You can't help God in the flesh because it violates his word. When Paul was taking prisoners of Christians into captivity, he thought he was doing the will of God, but that was out of ignorance. Oh, you remember the story of Dowling Thomas when the, when the disciples said, we have seen the Lord, the Lord is resurrected. He said, I ain't drinking that Kool-Aid unless I see the nail prints in his head and the wound, and I can feel them, and then I don't believe it. Not only don't I, don't believe, I will never believe it. I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid. And he was sincere in his belief that Jesus hadn't r- r- rose from the dead, but he was sincerely wrong. Rahab thought she was helping God. Peter thought he was helping Jesus. Flaw faith ignores, is ignored. Flaw faith is ignored by God, but sometimes he overrides it by his grace and mercy. When we don't know better, like Rahab, God will, some, mercy and grace will erase some of our foolishness. Sometimes we, we, we God, grace and mercy will, will, will override our, our flawed faith when we are forced to do something against our will. Sometimes you it's the lesser of two evils. Both are evil, but you got to choose one or the other. And you don't have a choice. You're a teenager and you live in a house and, and, and your parents are over, uh, have authority over you and somebody's threatening. So, so there are times when you don't have a choice and you know that what you're being asked to do violates your faith. And so you're forced into a position sometimes to make a decision that you would not have made if you really, if it wasn't sometimes a matter of life and death. Sometimes, even when you know better, to do what is right by faith, you still do what's wrong. Abraham and Sarah knew what God said, that the child of, uh, 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 that's coming into the world that would, be, would, would multiply and God would bless would come forth from out, out of the loins of Abraham. They, Abraham knew what God said. He had the vision. But when Sarah approached him and said, Look, that was, that was like 15 years ago when God said that. Obviously, God needs some help. And she believed in that God is going to do what he said, but she didn't believe, she didn't understand how he was going to do it. So she said, well, let's help God out. And so Hagar, who really didn't have a choice because she was just, to them, a piece of property, was used as a surrogate mother. And she was impregnated by, by Abraham, who knew better, who knew what God said, but he violated what God said because his faith was flawed. Somehow God needed help. And the consequences was that Ishmael was born. And even though Ishmael was born, God's grace and mercy overrode the flawed faith of Abraham and Sarah and and the unfortunate position that Hagar was in because God had promised Abraham in chapter 12 of Genesis. He said, what what you bless, I'm going to bless. So Ishmael was even blessed because God keeps his promises. Not because Abraham's faith was always as strong as it should have been. How many of you know sometimes our faith is not as strong as it should be? Sometimes our faith is flawed. Sometimes we we, we we shaky with our faith. We say the right things and we do the opposite of what we know that we should. Somebody say amen. Abraham knew better. But here's the danger. For our faith, God will ignore it or override it. He doesn't ignore it, but he sometimes overrides it by grace and mercy. But there's a time when God would say, with a covering of God. The the, the 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 grace and mercy of God will be will will give 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 rise to the judgment of God. If you don't believe me, uh, ask Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> when they came to church, they didn't go home. God struck them dead right in front of the congregation. They knew better, but they did wrong. Their faith was flawed because they were more concerned about pleasing people than God. But when they lied about the money that belonged to God, how many of you know you shouldn't play with God's money? When they played with God's money. God said to Peter, you have not lied to men, but you lied to God. And in that very moment, the last thing that, uh, 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 that Ananias heard was you lied to God, and he died right on the spot. I want you to understand that sometimes God, who never ignores our flawed faith, but he will override, it, he will cover it by his grace and mercy, but there comes a time when grace and mercy says, that's enough. Here's the third thing, let's run on. Grow in your faith by hearing and applying the word of God. In verses 8 through 11, the Bible says, and I'm just going to highlight some things. uh, uh, And here's uh, 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 um, Rahab speaking to the two spies. I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear has fallen upon us. And then she says in verse 10, we have heard the Lord. We have have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red sea. Now, that was 40 years ago. But how did she know what God could do? She heard. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You're going to grow. It's going to come because you're hearing and applying because faith without works is dead. You have to apply the word of God. Now, let me say a few, few things. And she ends up in verse 11. She says, the Lord your God is God, the God of heaven above and on earth below. Here's what we learned about faith that responds to hearing by applying the word of God so that we can grow. Faith has full confidence that God will do what he's already promised. When when Rahab, baby Faith Rahab, flawed Faith Rahab, she said, we know that God has already given. So she's speaking in the present about something that's going to happen in the future as if it's already took place. See, faith has full confidence that what God has said he is going to do, it is already done. It just hasn't been manifested. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of anything not seen. It is, when, you have, when you're walking by faith, you can see the invisible before it becomes visible. It has full confidence that God will do what he said, even though it hasn't happened In the eyes and through the eyes of faith, it's done. It's done. Oh, you'll get that later. You'll get that one later. Amen? Amen. Stay with me. Faith that is accurate is confirmed by hearing the word of God. And so she heard what God did was based on what he had already done he based, that, that he said he would do. He had already done. He had parted the Red Sea. He had caused the 10 plagues. When something is truly from God, it will be founded in the word. We may start with experience, and this is where the church has erred, and this is why the church has no real authority in the word. We have replaced exegesis with experience. This is what I experienced. This is why I know it is true. It ain't true because you felt it. It's true because it's based on faith that is that is verified by the accuracy of exegesis of the word of God. If God's word doesn't substantiate it, I don't care how you about, felt about it or what somebody said about it. I ain't trusting what you said. I'm trusting what he said. Faith is accurate. Faith that is accurate is confirmed by hearing the word of God. You need to, oh, I had a dream last night, and I know what's going to happen. You better make sure that your dream is from God. And how do you know it's from God? It will be substantiated and verified in his word. I'm not going to base it on that bad pizza I had last night. I was driving home yesterday, and I saw, I said, man, somebody's poor dog. Oh, dead in the middle of the street. I got, drove up close. It was a blanket. I thought I saw a dog, but when I, saw the, when I, got, when I stopped to look and see, what, the facts taught me something different. The faith that is based on the accuracy of the word of God should determine what you actually operate on in terms of your action. Somebody say amen. Faith, on, faith based on God's word affirms that there is only one and true living God who is in control of all things. She said, the Lord, your God, is God of heaven. She said, God is in charge of everything. And and then she goes on to say, and he's kind. This was her profession of faith. She said, I recognize that there's not many ways to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. He is the true and living God who is in charge. He is sovereign over the heavens and the earth. I believe that there is one way Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except by me. Neither is there salvation given unto men whereby we must believe there's only one name given unto men, why God, the way that God has provided for us to come to him. She said, he, she, this is her profession of faith. She said, I receive and I believe that he is the true and living God who's in charge. And guess what? Because she received it and she asked permission by the two spies, she said, when you, if, if I protect you, when you go back and talk to your leader, I, I want you to protect me. And they agreed to protect her. And so she had three weeks between the time she talked to them and they talked to her to, tell, to witness to her family. Now you got Rahab the harlot witnessing to her family. You all know how hard it is witnessing to your family. But by the time the walls of Jericho came down, every single one of her family was saved. (laughs) I wonder if you're witnessing to your family like Rahab did. I wonder if you're willing to tell somebody about the goodness of God. I'm wondering if you understand that you don't deserve salvation, but it's because of grace and mercy that he scooped you out of the muck and the mire of sin and snatched you out of the very hands of the enemy. And gave you the gift of eternal life. You need to grow by hearing the word of God and applying the word. Let me finish with this. Stop trying to figure out God's ways. Faith doesn't try to figure out God's ways. God used the window as a way of escape when all for the two spies when all the gates were closed. Rahab said, go get out of the window, climb out of the window. She let down a, a scarlet-red rope, climbed down the side, her house. Her house of prostitution was on the side of the wall of Jericho. Climb down the wall. I want you to know that sometimes, if you think, just think about in your own experience, how sometimes it doesn't make no sense. Every door, every gate, Somebody said you can't go. You'll never be. You 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 you'll be just like your father. You'll be like the rest of your family. Every door is closed in your face. But God says, where there are no doors, I'll open up a window. You see, He said, I have not allowed any temptation to take you, but such that is common to man. But I'm faithful, and I will not allow you to be permitted to be tempted above that you're able to bear. But I will, where the door is closed, I'll open up a window. If the window's closed, I'll open up the door. If the if the door and the window's, I'll make a win. In the roof. I will give you a way of escape. When you should have failed, when the fact that you shouldn't be where you are today, God has opened up a window. Don't try to figure out God, just go through the window. Just take the way of escape. Don't try to figure it out. But if you keep trying to figure it out, you're gonna fall. He uses a bright red cord, a scarlet cord hanging out of the window of Rahab, the prostitutes house to save her and her entire family. They had, here's the deal. He said, where we see the red cord, that is where we will spare lives. And anybody that is inside the house will not experience destruction and death. It kind of takes you back to the Passover when, when Moses was told by the Lord to tell the children of Israel that the death angel's is coming by. And here's what I want them to do. I'm not asking for any comment or any debate or conference. I want you to slay a ram, a a lamb, without a spot or blemish. Make no sense. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to put it on the doorpost of your house. Oh God, it takes faith to believe. It takes faith to obey. And that's the proof of a, 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 that you have faith. And so he said, where I, when I see the blood, wherever the blood is, the death angel will pass over. That night, the death angel came tipping through Egypt. And every time he saw the blood... The blood, who's the the, the picture of the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the earth. Jesus is that Lamb. The blood on those posts represented him. I want you to know that scarlet rope that Rahab the prostitute hung out of her window was a picture of the grace and the mercy of God being displayed through the blood that Jesus shed for our sins. Don't try to understand it. It don't make no sense. It's illogical that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. I don't understand it. I don't know why he did it. All I know is I accept it, and because of the blood, he, has, he says, there's therefore no more condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Have you applied the blood? Don't try to understand it. God told Joshua, here's another thing, to march around the walls for six days one time. And on the seventh day, they were told to march seven times around the same wall. And the walls were going to come down. But remember, Rahab's house was on the wall. So how was God going to bring down all the walls of Jericho without, at the same time, destroying Rahab, the prostitute, and all her family? I want you to know that God did some selective demolition. (laughs) I want you to see, he told told the sailors, uh, 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 Jonah said, throw me over the boat, throw me into the water. Now, how in the world could a man survive for three days inside of a fish without any oxygen, with all that acidic acid under the deep? I want you to know that God prepared the fish. Don't try to understand it. Peter was able to walk on water. How could he do it? I don't know. But I I, I do know as long as he looked at the author and the finisher of his faith, we kept walking. Don't try to understand what God is doing. Simply accept it and walk in agreement with it. I'm finished now. God used Rahab, the prostitute who responded to him by faith to become a part of the bloodline of Jesus. Now, explain that to me. The Bible says that God uses the foolish things of this world to confine the wise. He uses the weak things of the, of the world to confine those which think they're strong. God brings to nothing those things that are Why? So that he will get the glory. Faith doesn't try to figure out God. Faith can't think of the unthinkable. Faith can't understand the incomprehensible. Faith can't understand the unscrutable. Because God is God, and he will do what he chooses to do because he's capable as the one who is sovereign. He will take you out of the house of shame if you walk by faith and place you into his hall of fame. Some years ago, I had a tendency of being a bully. There was one kid named Derek. He was smaller than me, of course. I loved slapping Derek in the head. I just loved it. Oh, that's so horrible. Well, I probably did it because I got slapped in the head a lot by my cousin. My head wasn't always shaped like this. I'd slap Derek in the head, and I'd do it I hit him pretty good. And he didn't get to crying, and then he would run home and tell his mother she was a single parent. And, he would, and she'd come running out the door, and I'd take off running. I'd hide behind the step. She wouldn't know where I was. And she'd be yelling down the block, leave my son Derrick down, leave Derrick. And for some reason, I got a kick out. I would be just, oh, I was so, that was the funniest thing for her to be yelling and him to be crying. And I just loved doing that, picking on Derrick. Years ago, years after that, I, I was in college, and I was home for some spring break walking down Center City in Philadelphia, and I hear this voice, hey, Howard, hey, Howard. And I turned around, and I see this six-foot-four, about 245-pound guy, and uh, I-, I didn't recognize him. I said, who's this guy? And he said, uh, my name's Derek." I said, Derek, who? He said, you remember me? <laughs> I'm the one that lived on Dakota Street, the guy you used to slap in the head. He said, I, I'm, a, I'm a middle linebacker now for Temple University football team. So I had too many things in my hand to run, and he absolutely would have outrun me because he was in far better shape. So now I'm trying to figure out what can I say to make it up for all the times I slapped Derek in the head. And as he approached, he said, wait, wait, wait a minute, don't worry. He said, I know Jesus now. I, I, I almost went into a Holy Ghost shout right there on Walnut Street, Broad Walnut. You know Jesus? He said, look, let me, let me tell you how I came to know Jesus. When I saw what the Lord did in your life, I figured if he could save you, Jesus could save anybody. Anybody? And that day I raped the night, just like uh, 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 Rahab the prostitute, if he could save her. If he can use her, he can sure use you. I'm not going to hide from the messages that are in my life. It's going to be my message. I'm not going to give in to flawed faith. I'm going to allow God to inform me by his word. I'm going to keep on growing and applying this word so I can walk by faith. And as God continues to open up doors as he works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, I'm not going to question his ways. I'm not going to question his will. I'm I'm simply going to say you are the potter and I'm the clay. I'm about to yield so that you can elevate me. I don't want to die in shame. I don't want to die not fulfilling my purpose. I want to please you. I want you to do for me what you did for Rahab, the prostitute. Let's pray.